Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. Hello and welcome to this Our Changing World podcast from RNZ National, presented by Alison Balance and Veronica Maduna. Skin. It's a story that's relevant to anyone who needs a skin graft following a serious burn, and it's brought to us by David Stimson, who has managed to find a very appropriate song to go with it. You gotta have skin. American funny man Alan Sherman was singing about the dermis and the epidermis back in 1964. In 2016, there's less singing and more doing to recreate this wondrous beast. Skin is the body's largest organ, and we all carry around almost four kilograms of the stuff. Skin is what you feel at home in. And without it, furthermore, both your liver and abdomen would keep falling on the floor. Skin has been the waking and sleeping project of Rod Dunbar, who's professor at Auckland University and also director of the university's Morris Wilkins Centre for Research Excellence, along with Vaughan Feist, who's research fellow at the university's School of Biological Sciences. The two men are now taking me behind the laboratory doors into the nerve centre of their research and skin-making unit. These are all the um, plastic tissue culture flasks where we we grow um, not only our human cells but lots of different cell types um, in this lab. But the the skin, I can actually, what I can show you here is we um, we had some skin um, come in from a patient today. Right. Uh, and so this is in the, the first stage of the process of, of getting the skin cells out of the whole skin tissue. And so what we've got here is um, a round 15 centimetre dish filled with um, uh, media which has all the uh, sugars and amino acids and everything that the cells want to grow. Um, and we've also added some enzymes in there so that we can digest up um, the skin so that we can get the cells out. So these will um, will stay in here overnight, and then tomorrow we'll come back, and we will um, use kind of mechanical disruption to to break apart the skin and, and get the cells out. So this is skin that's been donated for somebody for the by somebody for the purposes of this experiment. Yes, these ones came from um, a breast reduction. Okay. At the moment, it's a whole tissue, and w- and what we're doing is um, using enzymes to to break up the bonds of that tissue and and release the cells. Um, so that we can collect just the cells and get rid of all the the connective tissue that surrounds them. The separated skin cells are then placed onto a newly developed synthetic substrate and after being fed the right kind of food, those cells will start reproducing. Scientists have made skin before, but these two fellows here are growing more than just one layer of skin, just like the real thing, and that makes it a whole lot stronger than previous iterations. At the moment we we take two weeks to grow um, our our skin, and that allows the the skin grown in the lab to to fully develop all of those layers that it needs to look like 
um, normal human skin and to give it you know the, the strength on the dermis underneath and the, the top layer barrier function that your epidermis is required. Burn care, uh, care for burn injury, is at the moment very complicated and very difficult. Professor Rod Dunbar. And it would be considerably improved if we could generate skin from patients who had burn injury. Seven years ago, Rod Dunbar had been using donated skin to investigate vaccinating cancer patients to stimulate white blood cells to kill the cancer. The leftover skin cells were going to be thrown away when the good professor got thinking about other uses for them. He went to talk to his plastic surgeon colleagues. It turns out that for quite a long time, people around the world have been taking uh, skin cells and trying to grow skin substitutes uh, to enable uh, the use of those skin substitutes in particularly burn treatment. And it, uh, when we spoke to our, our plastic surgery colleagues, they told us that the existing uh, ways of growing skin cells, um, when they finally arrived in the theatre for surgery, the skin that was being made from these cells was very fragile, uh, very thin layers of just the upper layer of the skin, very, very difficult to handle in a busy surgical theatre. Um, these skin cell layers couldn't be laid down on the wound very easily, they couldn't be fixed in place, uh, they were very easily bumped and abraded. And sometimes, in, in some cases, when the layers of skin cells were delivered uh, to the theatre, you could barely see the thing, they were, they were so thin. So the problem is that we need to be able to generate um, skin from skin cells, from living skin. Um, if you have a burn where uh, so much of your skin is damaged that there's not enough other skin um, in your body to borrow from to heal the wound, then you go through um, a series of very complicated operations. Um, first of all, they have to save your life, and that's difficult because your skin, once it's been destroyed by a major burn, um, becomes a huge threat to your survival. It's leaking, um, it's not containing your body properly. And so effectively it has to be sealed off with something. And at the moment, um, one of the common things that's used to seal the skin in a major burn, if there's not enough of your own tissue to replace it, is you use other people's skin, um, donors. So people who are kind enough to donate their organs um, will often also donate skin um, to the program. And so these are deceased donors, uh, but their skin is living, and it gets stored in a way such that uh, their skin can be applied to the burn injury to seal the wound effectively. Um, but of course, rejection kicks in uh, very rapidly um, over the course of days to, to weeks. And um, once the rejection process has started, where their immune system has recognised that somebody else's skin is on the body, uh, then of course the skin starts to get attacked from inside and starts to be destroyed by the immune system. So what happens in patients with severe burns at the moment is they go through a series of surgical operations which some people have likened to medieval torture. It involves a series of operations where um, various products and um, other people's skin but some other products as well that work in this context get applied to the skin. Uh, but in the case of uh, when donor skin is used, it, it uh, flakes off over a period of weeks, and so then it has to be surgically debrided, um, as we say, which means it has to effectively be cut off again. And so um, what happens is um, at the time of the burn injury, as much of the, the burn injury is grafted with normal skin from the patient as possible, the rest of the skin is covered with these other products, and then a few weeks later those other products are scraped off, and by that time hopefully the 
donor sites have recovered and you can retrieve the patient's own skin from those sites and do it again. But um, the problem is over time you have less and less uh, sites that you can graft from. So this can go on over a period of months. It can cost very large amounts of money, but most importantly for the patients, it's a, a dreadful set of procedures to go through. You know that as these products are being applied to your skin, most likely they're going to have to be taken off again uh, in a few weeks' time, and that's uh, devastating for patients. And, of course, very dangerous for them as well, having all those operations. Vaughan Feist first went off to Britain to learn some initial secrets of skin-making from the experts. The kickstart to the project was someone who actually knew how to grow skin in the lab showing me how to do it. And so we went and uh, learnt from Professor Sheila McNeil in Sheffield. There's lots of little secrets to growing skin cells correctly and getting them to organise and growing them on the right material so that they actually form something that looks like human skin. So we went over there. I went over there and, and learned how to do that, and, and came back and brought that knowledge here. And then we've just progressed our, our research um, since then, really, with the, with the goal of looking at producing large amounts of strong skin that the surgeons can use, looking to use the patient's own cells and combine that with a, a synthetic substrate to grow the cells on. And, and we thought that was really important because a lot of the skin products out there at the moment, people that are, that are trying to do similar things to us, they use um, animal products in um, growing their skin. And um, often that, that brings with it a, a, ris- a risk of disease transmission or rejection. And so what we wanted was something that we can make lots of. Um, it's very simple. Um, it's easy to manipulate so that we can change the properties of it to suit our skin. Because cells will behave differently on different materials. We, what we're doing is making a, a multi-layered tissue. Um, it, it's important that... Um, we have two cell types in there that, that form two layers of skin, a uh, top layer and a bottom layer. And so we're, it's important that the scaffold allows those cells to separate into their appropriate layers to form um, that top layer, which gives you your barrier function for skin, and then that layer underneath, which provides that strength for your skin. All tissues in your body are made up of cells. They're single units. You have to look down a microscope to see them. But people are familiar with things like white blood cells, small things that crawl around in the body and um, attack things. But, of course, tissues like the skin are also made of cells. And what they are is um, single units that are joined together, um, often quite tightly, to make sheets. And so when you take um, human skin and you dissolve it, you apply um, hungry enzymes, if you like, um, to the sheets, what they can do is they can dissolve the joins between the cells, and what you end up with is a whole bunch of single cells. And what you can do is you can take those single cells and provide the cells with all the nutrients that they need to stay alive, that's you keep them, you help them survive. You also put them into an incubator, which is the same temperature as a human body, 37 degrees, and you keep them moist. Now, many of the cells don't like that, and so they die, but some of them survive. And in the skin, what's normally happening is the cells in the bottom layer are constantly dividing, making copies of themselves, so that they can push copies of themselves, other cells, up the layers, and those cells in the upper layers can then divide and flake off. And so what we do in the the laboratory is we take those cells and we give them signals inside the, the food that we feed the cells to make them want to divide. 
And so you can start with a small number of cells that are living in the dish, and you can make them divide, and as they divide, they spread typically across a layer of plastic that we're incubating the cells on. So many people on TV, I think, have seen pictures of people manipulating cells in, in pink fluid in a plastic dish. We realised that there was another way that you could grow cells that was a bit more sophisticated, and that's part of the, the magic of this project, really, is a series of discoveries about the kinds of materials that skin cells like to grow on that enable them not only to survive but also to divide and finally to form layers which recapitulate what happens in the normal skin. The material that we've um, designed and, and had, uh, had made for the project by uh, our friendly synthetic chemist is, um, is really designed to eventually dissolve. It's a biodegradable material. We want that material to be there when the, the skin is first uh, put on the patient but, but we do then want that material to be absorbed, leaving nothing but the cells behind in the right order. It's the same material as is used in absorbable sutures in surgery. And so um, some, through, through some clever chemistry, um, our collaborators here at the University of Auckland uh, managed to turn that material into a sheet uh, that the cells like to grow in. And so we've got a scaffold, as we call it, uh, on which cells like to grow. And a lot of Vaughan's early experimentation was really designed to show exactly uh, what format of sheet uh, was required to enable those two layers to grow. A lot of a lot of ideas have come out of it really quickly, and and we've been able to 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 make them work quite quickly as well. That that's really been a um, a big plus for this project. Last count, we had twelve or thirteen innovations, uh, each of which is crucial to getting the the product to actually work. Um, we couldn't do it without any one of those ones. But as we've come across a problem, we've had an idea, we've tried it out, and in most cases, Vaughan. Um, being a particularly clever scientist has been able to um, make those um, those changes work in the system very, very rapidly. So we've very rapidly moved from uh, really, as Vaughan said, seven years ago, really learning how to engineer full thickness skin to now having a unique system, which, which we think has got real value. It fits perfectly. Yours fits you and mine fits me. See around us, we've got a lot of specialised equipment, which is in different pieces. So we've got the processing station, and we've got the incubator with the cells. So um, we can envisage that one day you'd be able to put all of these things together in a in a single box, and effectively uh, put the skin sample in the top and have the box take care of everything. Wow, like so, an espresso coffee machine, yeah. fully automatic skin machine. That's what we like to uh, to dream of. But the um, the fun thing about this project is that. Um, because it comes down to engineering solutions to problems as we go, and because we've now got collaborators from the chemists to the machine designers, um, we really can start to put together all the pieces to enable that to happen. And we can talk to our colleagues in chemistry and engineering and our industrial partners outside, um, some niche manufacturers in Auckland who are just fantastic companies to work with who already have solutions to some of the technical problems that we need to get over. Where does he stick his needle in? It's definitely my baby just because I've been working on it for so long and it's been so good to me. <laughs> and we're quite comfortable with one another now. Um, and, and, and it's just, it's just really a, a very exciting project because, you know, we have had so much progress and we can see um, a, a real future where we think we can help patients with, 
with what we're doing. So it's very exciting. What we want to do is develop a system which is so um, simple to use that it can go into any lab anywhere in the world. In a burn unit or, uh, for example, in a, a disaster situation or a war situation that you could potentially set up units to create skin on site. The easier we can make it uh, to grow the skin and the more efficiently we can do that, the more likely the technology is to be picked up. So whether you're fat, tall, big, small, chubby or thin... Ain't you glad you got skin? It'll be late this year before the university gets its new technology patented for around the world. And then it's a long time clinical testing here and overseas before Auckland's new skin-making machine hits the market. That was David Steamson, and he was talking with Vaughan Feist and Rod Dunbar from the University of Auckland and the Morris Wilkins Centre for Molecular Biodiscovery. Thanks for listening to this Our Changing World podcast, and you can find more stories on our webpage, rnz.co.nz slash ourchangingworld. Ka kite anō. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.